Hey, do you know what the current tax rates are on long-term capital gains and qualified dividends? Do you know how much of your Social Security is subject to taxation? For that matter, do you know what tax bracket you're in now? All of this important information is available in a handy guide that you can download free from yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Just click Special Offer. Have all the key 2018 financial data on taxes, retirement plan contribution limits, Medicare, Social Security, and more right at your fingertips. Just click Special Offer at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and download it free. One of my primary points that I make to people when they're thinking about buying something, make sure it's something you would want to live in. I wouldn't buy it if I wouldn't live in it because I want to be able to know that I can attract the kind of tenant that is going to respect the property that I'm putting them in. That's Joel Larsgaard from the Poor Not Poor podcast. Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, he talks to Joe and Big Al about drinking beer and simplifying your life to save money that you can put towards buying rental real estate and some things to drink about, I mean think about, before you commit to that investment property. Plus, the best places to invest in commercial real estate, why early retirement might kill you, and Joe reminisces about his experiences at a foam party in Mazatlan. Wait, what? Here are Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. So what? Early retirement can well, cause this, death? This caught my attention, Joe, because now I'm 60, yeah. and it says, why early retirement can be a killer. This came out in... Um, well, what do they consider early retirement? 62. That's early retirement? Oh, that's just early retirement due to Social Security. Yeah, well, yeah. Now, under the fire... You know, the uh, fire movement. The, yeah, yeah, that's er, financial early. independence. Retire early. Yeah, you could retire at thirty-five 40. or forty. Whatever. But no, this is this is the, we'll we'll call it the baby boomers, right? And and uh, there's a lot of people pick their retirement age based upon Social Security. Right. And there's there's three key ages. There's sixty-two. That's the earliest you can take Social Security. That's your full retirement age, which is age sixty-six, where you get your full benefits, and then you can wait till age seventy and get even more benefits. So the sooner you take it, the less income you get for the rest of your life. Yeah, but then the, you look at it. Well, you got it at sixty-two, so you had that those right. dollars. Let's say if you sixty-two to seventy, it's like all right. Well, here I can have yeah. this income for eight years. Yeah. So that's right, and and it depends when you look at all kinds of analysis. Uh, Depending upon when you take it, if you take it later rather than early, the break-even point somewhere around 80 years old, give or, give or take, depending upon what assumptions well, I mean, you Yeah, use. you can run all sorts of crazy assumptions. Right, right. right. You know, here, I'm going to take my Social Security at 62 and invest it yeah, you in could. a tax-free bond getting 8%. Right. We don't find that happening too often. But uh, anyway, so this is uh, National Bureau of Economic Research. Uh, a couple authors did this study. Uh, and they found, Joe, that there's an increase in mortality among men who retire at age 62. How many people did they survey? Doesn't did say. They say. Doesn't say. All right. I'm just going to take this at face value. Because it's probably 1,000 people. <laughs> 5,000. <laughs> but they've got two authors, uh, uh, one from Cornell University and one from University of Melbourne in Australia. They must be smart. Yes. So, uh, But here's what they found. They found that the increase in death rate is quite large, uh, particularly among males who retire and claim Social Security at age 62. In fact, there's about a 20% blip. In other words, people, <laughs> when for, for the average 62-year-old, uh, and I, I don't, it doesn't really go into how they measure it. I'm just going to assume they, they kind of looked maybe the next year. But there's there's a normal death rate for a 62 year old, and those that those men that retired and took Social Security at age 62, there's 20 percent more likelihood that they'll pass away. So how do they do that? So at the funeral, 
They're asking, "Hey, when did he retire?" Yeah, they 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 get they got all the mortuaries and they just go around to these funerals and <laughs> they read the old bits. Say, well, well, anyway. So then they then and and I guess they, you know, I'm not a statistician, but uh, at least or they, an economist. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> and this, and this, but this article uh, basically says that this is not a fluke. This is not a statistical fluke. Okay, so I'm going to take that at face value right. right now. And then they try to figure out, well, why is this happening, right? Because it's not so much in women; it's men. Oh yeah, right. I can see that. And they here's what they they this is circumstantial evidence. So this is you know so this isn't scientific, but this is what they came up with that that males uh, retirees become sedentary. They often watch more television. Sure. They often drink more alcohol. Yep. They often smoke nope. more tobacco. Oh, there you go. And, uh, Sounds like a great retirement. <laughs> That's where I sign up. <laughs> can, I, uh, can I retire tomorrow? And then they, then they. Uh, furthermore, uh, unlike women, uh, they appear to have fewer social interactions when they stop working. Sure. And I think, I, I mean, I, I've seen that in in the men and women that I know. I mean, uh, and you and I, Joe, I think most of the people that we know well, we work with. Yeah. Right. right. And then once we stop working, then it's. You, that it's not that that relationship is severed, but you you don't have that constant contact anymore. I mean, and I think at any age, you know, yeah. If, let's say if I go to a house party, right? You, I'll talk to two or three guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you're just kind of you, you know, like you're you're close knit. Yeah. Right. And then you see the, you know, let's say if I bring a date, you know, she's talking to like thirty women. Right. Yeah. And they're like going crazy, and they're exchanging their email addresses. Oh yeah, and you know, cell phone numbers. Ex- yeah. yeah, let's let's get coffee together. Oh, a glass of wine. Oh, I I'm like, it. oh, this guy's kind of a. <laughs> get me the hell out of here. Are we too judgmental? Is maybe that the problem? Not. I don't know. <laughs> I think well, maybe we get stuck in our ways a little bit differently. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so anyway, so I guess I guess I won't be retiring at 62. There you go. Because I don't necessarily want to sit on the couch and, and watch television and, and smoke, smoke and drink. And drink. <laughs> I've never smoked, so that doesn't really sound very appealing. I do, I do like a beer yeah, every man. now and again. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Fine. I mean, it, it's, it's Saturday every day, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. And so I when know. it's Saturday, it's like, yeah, I can have a couple cocktails because yeah. tomorrow's Sunday. Right. Yeah. You know, there's no real huge responsibilities there. I, I do know. But then I'm, all of a sudden, if it's Tuesday, yeah, and you're sitting at the bar <laughs> at noon, yes, yeah, right, something's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Although I do know when when I go on vacations, and someday when you actually go on vacations, yeah. you'll notice that you do drink more on vacations. Yes, well, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't go on vacation. Al. <laughs> it would be yeah. too tough on your your yeah. body. Uh, anyway, so that I thought that. But was... But I think that's a good point that people have to take a look at. You know, the the, the softer side of right. retirement is that you know we spend a lot of time on the show. Of, Talking money, right? Yeah, right. Do yeah, you have enough ad, money? How do you create nauseam. the income, Social Security, or everything else? Right. But if you have all the money in the world and you're sitting on the couch watching reruns of The Family Feud, <laughs> you know? Yeah, one of our clients I, I saw about a year ago, I was riding up the elevator with him and, hey, uh, how's, how's retirement going? He said, a lot different than I thought. Right. He was about a year into it. And I said, oh, why is that? He goes, well, my wife and I love to play bridge, and I thought we'd be playing all the time. But she has these bridge groups. They're mostly women, so I'm not really invited to them, and I'm just, there's nothing to do. So he thought, he thought he'd be playing 
bridge with his <laughs> wife across and, the country, and she's thinking, get, forget no way, that. You know, I got that's my, my own, stuff. I got my own friends. Right, we've been right. doing this for years. <laughs> yes, you're not invited <laughs> to the club. Oh, poor guy. Yeah. So, but so I think it's just looking at all right before you retire. Of course, you want to make sure that you do have enough capital to maintain the lifestyle yeah. that you want. Yeah. But also start writing things down of what you want to do, what you want to accomplish, yeah. what your social circle is going to look like, right. and everything else. And and I would say even taking it a step further is, is start that before you retire. Right. So like let's say you love to play um, trumpet. <laughs> Oh my God, we gotta take a break. <laughs> so if you if you want to play trumpet, then why don't you get involved with a with an, an orchestra? Get in a band, <laughs> just a marching well, band. I say that because my dad loved to play French horn, and he actually did get in some bands while he was working, which continued when he retired. So Joe, do you do you play a trumpet or? Okay, all right. I, I did trumpet because that's a cool one. It's cool. I could see you do it. Oh yeah, right. Or saxophone. Oh you Ever played God. a sax? No, 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 not musically inclined. So Joe doesn't play any musical instruments and he doesn't go on vacations. Sounds like a fun guy, eh? We'll learn more about Joe's vacation experiences later in the show. In the meantime, if you already know how you plan to spend your time in retirement, it's time to make sure you're ready for retirement. Learn little-known secrets about controlling your taxes in retirement and preparing for market volatility, increased longevity, rising health care costs, and social security uncertainty in retirement. Visit the white paper section of the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and download our free retirement readiness guide. It won't cost you a dime to learn strategies that'll make your money last a lifetime. Download the retirement readiness guide from the white paper section of the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Alan, it's that time of the show, bud. It is, and we, we've got a special guest today because he not only likes financial planning, investing, things, uh, finances, but he likes beer, which... Uh, you and I both enjoy both of those. It's Joel Lasgard. That's an awesome name too. Yeah, it's it like, is. It's like a Viking. Yeah, <laughs> Lars. Lars Gard. Ah, I yeah. love it. Joel, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for having me, guys. Don't worry, I won't go too crazy Viking on you. Yeah. <laughs> well, so your podcast is called Poor Not Poor. So, what is the genesis behind this? So, really, the genesis behind it was. Uh, I love drinking beer and I love talking about money and my best friend Matt loves the same. And so at least once a week, we'd have this excuse to tell our wives that we could, uh, you know what, honey, we got to go do this podcast. And uh, really, it's just an excuse to <laughs> talk about what we love and drink a good beer. So um, that was the genesis behind it. And really, Matt and I love talking about money, talking about real estate, talking about helping people save money. And so, you know, every week we get to drink an awesome beer and do what we love. And we're building this awesome community of people that love the same things we do. Yeah. You, you drink the beer right on the podcast, right? Yeah. So we tell people what we're drinking. We kind of talk about it a little bit and uh, so we drink something new and different every week. Well, and that's really fun. What are you drinking right now? Well, so uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a, I'm not opposed to starting drinking early in the day, but uh, today is uh, a little, you know, little too early. Yeah, a little too early for me. Got it. Okay. Uh, so what? What kind of beers? Let's. let's I don't want to talk about finance. Yeah, we talk. Neither. Oh, it's, man, it's, it's just been a long. Talk about beer. Yeah, let's talk about beer. Because sure. you know, Joel, I'm a. Uh, you know, to, to, uh, you, you probably won't like me because I'm just kind of a Coors Light kind of guy. So maybe you can change yeah. some of my taste buds. En enlighten Joe. All right, well, we can still get along, and I can take you out drinking, and we'll find something else that you enjoy. Uh, I'm really into IPAs, sours, barrel-aged stouts. I mean, I, I like I run the gamut. I'm a huge fan of craft beer in general, um, and I wanted my life to be involved in the craft beer scene in some way, form, or fashion. 
you know, maybe run my own brewery one of these days. But for now, at least drinking craft beer and talking money on a podcast is where it's at. But yeah, I, I like really beer that runs the gamut. You know, we are in Southern California. You are in um, Atlanta, Georgia, correct? Yeah, that's right. In in Southern California, you know, craft beer is pretty popular. Um, it, you're, you're what, pretty much in craft beer heaven. Yeah, yeah pretty yeah, much. Yeah. yeah, you got to. We, sh- we you should have came here instead of this uh, Skype interview. You should have just came yeah. in the studio. I mean, we got we got Ballast <laughs> Point. We got uh, Stone. We got all kinds of stuff out here. Man, I screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come what? there in person for the next for the next interview. So, Joel, I will tell you, I love craft beer as well. But you being an expert, maybe you can give me a tip because when I when I drink maybe more than two craft beers, I, I get a headache the next day. Is is there a way around this, or is that just my genetics? Well, just stop being an alcoholic. Yeah, <laughs> maybe don't drink <laughs> ten of them. <laughs> well, you know, the guy that founded one of the first craft breweries in the nation, uh, the guy that founded founded Sam Adams, his um, his name is Jim Cook. And he would like eat a ball of yeast, uh, essentially, before going into his day of having to taste test beers. So that would kind of sit on his stomach and absorb some of the alcohol. I don't do that. Usually I just kind of limit myself to two. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if I go beyond that too, man, I get a headache. But apparently yeah. there are ways around this. There's this drink called BioLite, yeah. which is like Pedialyte for adults. And yeah. apparently that helps. Um, but I don't drink enough. To, well, to, I think I think Joe, but, I, I think that's the key. Drink just drink two. <laughs> Well, wait a minute. What's this? Moderation. Bi- bio, bio I, I'm learning something. You need, you need to get some of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I guess we should talk some finances. So, so you've got you've got this podcast, and how long has, has it been going? So we've been around for about three months now. And uh, you talk about investment properties. You talk about saving money. You even you even talked about simplifying your life, right? Yeah, yeah. So we yeah we run the gamut. We really ultimately we want everyone to live a rich, rewarding life, and be conscious about the decisions they're making so that their life reflects their values. And I think, I mean, you guys know this, there's just a lot of people that sleepwalk through life. They don't stop to think about, hey, what do I want to get out of this life? Um, and you've only got one. So be thoughtful about it. Be intentional. And so, money is money is like the number one thing, right, that's going to influence that in so many ways. And so you want to make sure you got your money house in order. So I want to talk to you about simplifying because I just went on a trip to Chile and uh, I was I was drawn to the people. They were living a much simpler life than I was, and they were very happy. So, what what tips can you give our listeners on simplifying their life? Yeah, I think the first thing is live in a smaller space. I, I think that's the easiest thing you can do. It's less to clean. It's less to maintain. It's less money every month that comes out of your paycheck to go to, go towards a mortgage payment or towards rent. So, I think if you can simplify by living in a smaller space. I mean, if you look at the numbers, the way they've gone over the last 30 years, we've upped our home sizes by an insane amount in the United States. And so, you know, my family, we're a family of four. We live in a two bedroom, one bath house, and it's essentially a duplex and we rent out the back of it. And for us, that just makes a lot of sense monetarily. And it makes a lot of sense lifestyle wise. Um, We spend a lot of time together. We hang out. And I think the larger your house gets, uh, the more out of control you can feel because there's more to heat and cool. There's more to maintain. Uh, and then it just costs more money every month, too. I can attest to that. Yeah, you and I have four-bedroom homes. <laughs> I have five. We, we, I, oh, you have five? I have. I, I grew up in a one-bedroom house. <laughs> right. right or or two-bedroom. And there was my mother and father, and then my brother and sister. So there was three of us. So my dad made a bedroom out of the attic. right? But it was really small. And, but we always spent a lot of time. 
right? We had dinner as a family every night. It was very close-knit family, very close uh, with my mother. I'm very close with my siblings. My father passed. But, you know, now, I don't know, what. maybe it, 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 I, I went the opposite. I was like, <laughs> I'm single, and I got a five-bedroom house. I'm like, what the hell am I thinking here, <laughs> right? And, but I could just see that, all right, well, if you have a family and you got a larger house, I mean, you, you probably never see your kids. Yeah, and I think that's that's the beauty of a smaller house, like, my two girls, they share a room and, you know, we're always there when they're playing, they're in either the dining room or the family room. And, and I mean, those are the only two rooms in the house besides the bathroom and the kitchen, you know? And so, uh, we just, we're constantly up in each other's grill and, you know, maybe when they're older, I'll, I'll hate that. I don't know, but, but for right now it works out really well for us. Um, and I think too, uh, another thing, simplify your car, simplify your commute. People think about, don't think very hard about where they live and where they live in relation to where they work. And the more time you spend, you spend in the car, the more time you spend on the road commuting. Uh, first off, traffic's a pain, right? I mean, I hate traffic. I, you, you guys live in Southern California. I live in Atlanta, high traffic cities. So I hop on my bike and I bike to work a lot. And that simplifies my mind as well, simplifying my life. You just have less need of a car uh, and it can bring down the cost of owning a car at the same time. Education is another great way to simplify your life. Why reinvent the financial wheel when the knowledge and expertise of others is freely available for you at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Access our previous podcast interviews, educational video clips from the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show, as well as white papers, articles, webinars, and hundreds of videos on tax planning, investing, retirement planning, social security, estate planning, small business strategies, and just about any other personal finance topic that affects you. Check it all out at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. And if you can't find what you're looking for, just email us your money question at info at purefinancial.com. Welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson, certified financial planner, Big Al Clopine. He's a CPA. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're talking to Joe Largegard. It's kind of interesting podcast. It's called Poor, Not Poor. You know, speaking of small homes, I did live in a very small home when I graduated college. I did live in Atlanta for a small stint. I went to uh, the University of Florida. And I lived in the Darlington. I don't know if you're familiar with the Darlington. It's, yeah, of course. All right. Yeah, right across the street from the Piedmont Hospital there. That's uh, right. Yeah, that's right. I think it was maybe 200 square feet. I could barely fit in it. I could open up my fridge, flush the toilet, and open the door all sitting in one spot. And were you happy back then? I was so happy. So happy. I was so happy. <laughs> and I got you know notices every day, please don't eat the pink chips because there's lead. There's lead. <laughs> Uh, well, it's... it is amazing, right? When you think when you think about the good old days, uh, life was simpler then, right? And the more the older we get, the more we think we need, the more we think we need to uh, to, to work, and all these things. I mean, I, I think work is a good thing. You know, on our podcast, we talk about work. It's I think it's an uplifting, it's a beautiful thing, and it's a necessary thing. Um, but in America, we've taken work to a new level, and I think when when you look back at you know, quote unquote, the good old days. Usually it meant more time with family, more time with friends, smaller spaces, just more time to hang out and build relationships and build community. And I think that's really important and, and something that as a whole in our culture, we're kind of missing right now. Uh, speaking of real estate, so how did you get into real estate investing? Big Al over here, he's a real estate investor. What um, what, what are some things that, that, that got you motivated to start uh, being a, a real estate mogul here? Yeah. So the thing that initially prompted me to want to be a real estate investor was uh, I wanted my wife to, if she wanted to, if she wanted to, to be able to stay at home instead of uh, working when we had kids. 
And I thought, man, real estate, that's this it's like passive income. Essentially, it's going to provide a secondary job so we don't have to be a two-income family and we can still live the lifestyle that we want. And so started investing in real estate. And the way that we did it, we would live in a house for two years. And then we would move into another one uh, as our primary residence and rent out the prior house. And so at this point, I have three rental homes. And uh, like I said, we rent out a small portion of the home, home that we live in currently too. Um, and so just every two years, kind of slowly but surely, I saved up 20% down to put down on the next home and rent out the prior house. Um, and they're all in a really small vicinity around where I live. So I can keep tabs on them. I can even mow the lawns myself. Um, so I'm kind of like one of those down home, you know, t- small, small time landlords. Uh, but it's really fun. And it's, it's, it's been really big in allowing our family to live the kind of life we want to. So what, what are some of the tips you might give our listeners on what to look for in a rental or, or, or what are some of the rules of them? Yeah. So I think for me, there are three things. Uh, it's very location dependent, but for me, I, I look for three particular things. I want to buy a house that's undervalued. So the person that's selling it doesn't know exactly how much it, it's worth, doesn't know, you know what, this neighborhood's up and coming, things are changing, and they have priced it too low. The second thing, neighborhood's up and coming, right? I, I want it to be a place that is going to appreciate. And I think most uh, landlords don't think enough about the appreciation factor. And depending where you're living, you might not be able to, to think about the appreciation factor. Uh, you, you might be in a small town somewhere and their, their appreciation's just really slow. Where I live, that's something I do focus on, and I know the area well enough that I'm not being speculative, but I'm buying a house because I know that this house is going to go up in value because the area is highly desirable. And the third thing, I want to meet the 1% rule. So if I'm buying a house that it costs $100,000, I want the monthly rents to be a minimum of $1,000 a month. And so if I can hit all three of those rules, man, buying something undervalued, uh, making sure it's in a, a hot part of town that I think is going to continue to trend upwards at, at a quick growth growth rate and then meeting that 1% rule, I'm happy. Yeah, and I, I think those are really good rules. I, I will say in Southern California, it's it's pretty hard to get the 1% rule because I've tried for 30 years and I don't think I've ever found one. Uh, and my rentals are actually in Phoenix <laughs> as a result of that, which I'm not necessarily recommending because it, it, it it's really... It's better when the when the properties are near your home, so you can check up on them more often. But the the cash flows when I was buying rentals, just I mean, if you if you got to half a percent, you were lucky. Yeah, and I think it depends on what kind of landlord you want to be. I think there's a lot of people I know and that I respect out there that you know have rental properties in completely different parts of the country, and it works really well for them. And they're buying purely based on the numbers. Uh, for me and for my lifestyle, I kind of wanted to be local. I wanted to be small. I wanted to be manageable uh, and just kind of, you know, build slowly. And I think maybe at some point I'll be willing to jump into something a little bit bigger. I'm actually kind of currently looking at a nineplex that's not too far from me because uh, the numbers make sense. And I think I'm ready to, uh, to to get into something just, you know, a little bit bigger pond when it comes to real estate. Uh, but, but for the most part, yeah, I, I personally like buying local and being able to lay my eyes on those properties you know, every, every week or two. Yeah, I think that's important. And so, so talk about why you would go from, say, a single family home to an apartment. What are some of the advantages? Well, the advantages are uh, you've got some economies of scale going on there. Uh, you know, there's one lawn to mow. And when I go, when I show up at the house, uh, I, I can get a lot of work done on multiple units, you know, in one day, as opposed to driving all over town. And uh, getting one loan at this point on like a nineplex would, uh, would allow me to have a lot of cash flow, um, basically in one transaction. Uh, so 
you're going to get a different kind of tenant. You have to know what you're getting into. I'm very particular about the properties um, that I'm looking at, especially when it comes to multifamily. Uh, I, that's why I haven't jumped yet. You have to be really, really careful to know what you're getting into and know that the area and that the property type uh, is something that the kind of clients you're trying to atta- uh, attract, the kind of tenants you're trying to attract are, are going to want to live in. But yeah. I think you got to look at a few other things too. It's, you know, what are your ultimate goals? Are you looking for income? Are you looking for growth, right? Uh, we, we get a lot of people that say, well, I, I want to buy a rental property for the tax benefits, but th- there is no tax benefits because you make too much money. Yeah, they're phased they're, out. They're phased out. So right. and, then you, we, and we have other people in Southern California that say, I'm buying for cash flow. And we actually know that, yeah, that's actually one of the most important things I would say, make sure it, it cash flows at least decently. But in terms of in, in San Diego, in Los Angeles, the cash flow that you can get relative to the equity is not great. And so the way that these tend to work here is appreciation, although you can't necessarily count on that because you may buy at the wrong time in the market. But that that is how a lot of people make money in real estate in California. Right. But then that's what blew people up, too, because then right. they're leveraged. That's right. They're not making the cash flow. And then the market turns and it's like, OK, well, now I have all these properties. <laughs> right. uh, the cash flow doesn't work. I, I bought it for appreciation and the tax benefit. I don't even get a tax benefit unless I sell it at a loss. Right. Yeah. And then I'm underwater and then loan for, you know, so, I mean, so it's, it, I, I don't, I guess I don't want to paint the picture that it's all, you know, rainbows and flowers that there's, there, there's the other side of, you know, putting in the work. I mean, it's almost like you're, you're a small business owner. Um, I mean, big Al tells oh, yeah, a story completely. of, you know, of one of his rentals and the guy what parked a Harley Davidson in, in, in the living room right. on my new carpet. <laughs> Oh, that's tough times right there. Yeah, that's that, yeah, and that was me being a new landlord, and not even getting well, that, enough rent for yeah the whole the whole ball of wax. And I I agree. I think I mean I think there's uh, there's smart use of leverage when it comes to buying real estate, and then there's dumb use of leverage when it comes to buying real estate. I think if you're going to buy a residence, a primary residence, and not put twenty percent down, in my opinion, you should either put twenty percent down, or you should have a way to make sure that that property is generating some income for you too, as opposed to just being a line item that's negative against your net worth. Uh, I don't like the idea of getting a three and a half percent FHA loan as on your primary residence and then not making any money from it. I think, you know, the, the beginning of all of these things is frugality, is moving slow, is knowing what you're investing in. A lot of people don't take the time to know their market, to know the streets, because you know, real estate, it's so hyper local. You need to know the streets. You need to know you know, what, what are the plans uh, for that downtown area just around the corner over the coming years? Is it going to be built up or are there going to be massive changes? Uh, and so yeah, you, you need to know your, uh, your local market so well. Uh, and, and one of my primary, uh, primary points that I make to people when they're thinking about buying something, make sure it's something you would want to live in. Because if you're buying something that you wouldn't live in, that, you know, like for instance, this Nineplex, I totally would have lived in it as a young professional, uh, but I wouldn't buy it if I wouldn't live in it because I, I want to be able to know that I can attract the kind of tenant that is going to respect the property that I'm putting them in. Yeah, I, I think that's good advice. And I, and I think, and you are right when you say real estate's very local because every market's a little bit different. And I think where you're at, if you can buy homes cheap enough to get the 1% rule, I think that's ideal because then you can kind of weather almost any economy. Although uh, I had some, some less expensive homes in Phoenix and I would say during the Great Recession, when even though it made cat, it, it, it penciled out when I bought it, 
but all of a sudden then the rents went way down because people couldn't afford them. And so, and, th- and th- therein lies part of what you just said is not get too much over leveraged. Maybe make sure you've got some equity in it. Uh, you've got some cushion in case things go, go wrong because I, it, when, when I was a young CPA in my 20s, I realized people were, the people that I saw as clients that were making money either had a business or they owned real estate. But I also saw the people that were the poorest had a business and real estate. So you just have to be careful. Yeah, it's true. There's so many people that, uh, and there's so many ways to buy real estate with, you know, with very little, very little money. And that's gotten harder through the years, right? Since the great recession, but, uh, but it's still possible to put very little down and, and to buy a piece of property to buy a house. And you just have to be really careful. And it begins with frugality and it begins with, with knowing your market and, uh, and not taking on more than you can bite off. And that's why I like, for instance, the primary house that we're living in, we rent out part of it, you know, find other streams of income, make sure it can work. Uh, not just if the numbers hit perfectly, right. Right. If, if, if it stays out, rent it out a hundred percent of the time, you have to be realistic and realistic about what rent prices are going to. Hey, Joel, uh, we're wrapping up here. Um, it is the weekend. Uh, give our listeners a couple of recommendations on some, uh, tasty beverages. All right, so I'll pick a few uh, national breweries so that you can find it in your local local grocery store. Uh, Matt and I drank recently on the show a New Belgium Voodoo Ranger uh, IPA, and it's uh, it's their their take on the New England style IPA, which is like super hot right now. It's super juicy, it's tasty, it's easy to drink. You know, I think both of you guys would enjoy that one. So check that one out. It's a it's called Voodoo. Voodoo Ranger. Voodoo okay. Ranger. I don't know if I drank anything with the name Voodoo in it. Uh, you got to try it. Gonna, gotta, oh, man. You got to branch out. All right. It's like to say Coors Light on it. So you we got Voodoo, Voodoo Ranger. What else? You got one more yeah, for I mean, me? I, yeah, I love IPAs from Stone. That's where you guys are at, right? Right right near Stone. I, I love what they're doing. Um, and, I mean, so many good beers in Southern California. My, my personal favorite brewery over there is Modern Times. Those guys are awesome. I would agree with you on that. Never heard of it. <laughs> I've had several, <laughs> but if I have more than two, I get a headache. So that's what I got to work on. Uh, we're talking to Joel Lar- uh, Larsgaard. Hey, Joel, where, where can people on, uh, check your blog, check your podcast out? Yeah, so you can check us out at poor, not poor.com, P-O-U-R, like you're pouring a beer, not P-O-O-R.com. And you can listen to our podcast where you're checking this podcast out at your Apple podcast or any app that you use to find your podcast. That's Joel Larsgaard. That was awesome, brother. Thank you so much. Southern California, there are plenty of ways to learn from our team in person at our free monthly lunch and learn event or at our two-day retirement courses throughout Southern California. Get the tools and confidence you need to help you plan the retirement you've always dreamed of in spite of market volatility. For dates, times, and locations for our free lunch and learn events, lunch included, or our retirement classes in San Diego, Orange County, or Los Angeles, just visit the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257. That's 888-994-6257. I had a follow-up point. So we were talking about real estate investing, and I, I happened to see this this last week. Uh, it's an annual report from a commercial real estate firm called CBRE. Uh, they did a survey of multi-million dollar investment groups from uh, insurance companies to pension funds, and they asked, where are they investing and why? Huh. And, uh, and this was anywhere. It could be worldwide. And uh, San Diego came in at number 11 yeah. of, of investment places worldwide. Well, and they're buying commercial. 
Commercial, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. But I can tell you, if people are excited about commercial, there's usually residential opportunities as well for the smaller investors. But the reason why uh, they think, uh, CBRE thinks investors are drawn to San Diego is because of low vacancy rates and a diversified economy and the fact that there's uh, not a lot of new development sites for office and industrial, which tends to translate to higher rents and higher profits which is not as good if, as if you're a renter. But uh, if you're an investor, it can be pretty good. And, and Joe, why this matters is that real estate investing tends to pump money into the local economy from construction of a new building or, uh, or maybe even buying an old structure and fixing it up, says Chris Thornburg. Oh, really? Economist uh, uh, and founding partner of Beacon Economics. And we've had Chris on our show two or three times. And uh, we have him sparingly because we end up looking so dumb when we t- yeah, ask him He questions. doesn't want to come back on the show. <laughs> I've asked. No, he would like to resign um, from, from his guest, guest. Uh, yes, um, indefinitely. Please never contact us again. Well, every single question we have to ask Chris, it, it goes something like this. Well, I'm probably going to sound stupid. <laughs> Which we, we could just say, I am going to sound stupid. Well, one time I didn't say that. And I just said, well, what do you think of this? He goes, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> okay. All right. Good chat. One thing, I remember one time I said, uh, so now that we have a, a, the, the um, deficit deficit of 20 million, he goes, or 20 billion, 20 trillion, sorry. Uh, he goes, Al, the deficit is the, the annual amount, the debt. Is, is okay, yeah, okay, you're right. I, oh. I actually have never made that mistake since then. I, I was correct, see, yeah, well, see, on we live learned, radio. We learned things, right? I learned about um, a couple of things today. Um, what'd you the, learn? The Pedialyte for men <laughs> or for adults, and you learned what <laughs> beers to buy a voodoo, for this week. Voodoo Ranger, voodoo, voodoo I might, Ranger. Have to, might have to try, might have to, voodoo might have Ranger. to try it out now. Just if you're curious, the in this study, the best place to invest uh, was is Los Angeles. Uh, second year in a row, followed by Dallas, Fort Worth, New York City, Seattle, and San Francisco. And also near the top was Phoenix, Minneapolis, Montreal, Toronto, Mexico City. So there you go. Have you ever been to Mexico City? No, no. I never have. Have you? No. no. I've been to Tijuana, I've been to Cabo San Lucas, and I've been to San Felipe and Ensenada and Rosarita. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's where I've been. How about you? Uh, it's Tijuana. Tijuana is it? And then I went to um, Cabo a okay. long time ago. Yep, yep. And then I went to, I uh, had an awful spring break in Mazatlan. Why was it awful? I don't know. It just wasn't when that your, great. Your, your cup of tea? Yeah, I don't know. I was 40 going on spring break with high school. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it was like last year. Yeah, it was like, I just got back. In fact, last week. Actually that's, that's where you were last week? Yeah. Okay, now I get it. <laughs> Yeah, high school spring break. It was a lot of fun. Um, no, it was a long time ago, and I don't know. It just wasn't my um, my thing, I guess. You know, foam parties. I'm not into foam parties. You know, I've heard about those. I've never been to one. Oh, it's awful. Is I the, guess I could have not it, gone to the that, foam party. Is that where they turn the lights out and you're all working, through, walking through foam? And then they just pump out this foam, and then foam you're and, wet, and you're and then you're, you're touching your whole whatever, night shot, and touching yeah, whatever you I don't touch. know. People are doing something in the foam. It's like gross. <laughs> it's like get me the hell out of here. So you're not not into the foam thing. <laughs> not really into foam parties. And then so we were in this all inclusive place that was kind of dumpy. And then this, they would play these bingo games, right? And the guy would, all of a sudden, it, it would hit, 
Number 69, <laughs> my favorite number. Of course. <laughs> it, oh, my God. That's all it was for like three, four straight days, just hearing this guy yelling in a <laughs> megaphone about how 69 is was his, his favorite, favorite number. number. Yeah, that was... That's, so that stuck. That's so, that's so funny. That's so <laughs> Very original, too. Yes. So that... Um, so okay, well, because um, I was gonna get, I was gonna buy a, a, a vacation for home you. Home in, in Yeah, Oxpitz is paid and phone party and uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, Mazatlan. Let's do it. Let's go to a phone party. I'm not sure. I I, I think I'm too old for a phone party. Yeah, I think uh, everyone <laughs> is too old for a phone party. Well, um, I'm pretty excited there, Clopine, because um, one of my favorite shows is coming back, season three. Really? Yes. And what's that? Billions. Billions? Yes. Okay. Have you seen Billions? No. <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't watch as much TV as you do. <laughs> I watched like a couple of shows. What are you talking about? What's the, all right, what... what what do I watch? Yes. What's the? You got any recommendations for our uh, listeners here of what they should be watching? Yeah. What do I watch? We. Uh, I like The Voice. I watch that. Uh, <laughs> it's like I like Stranger Things. Oh, I never seen. I was see. see? All right. I Stranger like, Things. Okay. You've gonna, not seen Stranger no, Things. I know. I wanted to. That's in, that's impressive, Big Al. Yeah, yeah. All right. Stranger Things. Yeah. That's like the Goonies. It is. Um, it is right? actually. It's about it's, like it's kids. 80s or something. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 kids and their supernatural experiences, and it's it's actually pretty good. I'm, I'm halfway through season two right now. Mm. I'm watching Crashing. Crashing. Yeah. Yep. It's about a stand-up comic. Okay. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. You should see. Do you have like HBO Go? I do. Well, there yeah. you go. Yeah, I can, right. I, can, this weekend. I can watch all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. maybe you could just, spend a half an hour. Because you know I'll forget that, so text it to me. Yeah, I'll text it to you. <laughs> I'll text it to you. All right, that's it for us. Uh, for Big Al Clopin, I'm Joe Anderson. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. So to recap today's show, some things to look out for when you're buying rental real estate would be an undervalued property in an up-and-coming neighborhood. If you can't ask 1% of the purchase price as the monthly rent, make sure the property at least cash flows decently. Know the local area. Area. And finally, make sure the property is someplace you yourself would want to live so you can attract tenants like you. If you're a man and you retire at 62, try not to sit in front of the TV drinking and smoking your retirement away. Actually, that applies to all of us, not just early retirees. We've only got one life. Let's make the most of it, hey? And if we decide a phone party in Mazatlan is on our bucket list, who's stopping us? Special thanks to our guest, Joel Larsgaard from Poor Not Poor. Check out his podcast and his blog at poornotpoor.com. That's P-O-U-R, not P-O-O-R.com. Subscribe to this podcast at yourmoneyyourwealth.com, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcatcher. And hey, have you seen those ratings and reviews on iTunes? Gotta love it. If you've got a burning money question for Joe and Big Al to answer live on Your Money, Your Wealth, just email info at purefinancial.com or call 888-994-6257. Listen next time for more Your Money, Your Wealth, presented by Pure Financial Advisors. For your free financial assessment, visit purefinancial.com. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision.